Welcome to Wondercast, a community collaborative podcast supporting families navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Today, we dive right back into our three-part series with a focus on the healing space that follows a double mastectomy with reconstruction. Listen and learn about the various moving parts that aid in your healing and the tools that help make the road there a little less bumpy. This is Kelly May reporting to you live from the waiting room. Uh, Fame is all here. Surgery started on time about 7.45 this morning, and it's uh, about 11.54 now. I just heard from Dr. King, and she has completed her portion of the surgery, clocking in right around three and a half hours. She was able to complete the double mastectomy and removed uh, sentinel nodes from both arms. Dr. Potter has just started the surgery, which is scheduled to run about four hours or so. Then I'm told she will go to recovery for an hour, an hour and a half-ish to stabilize, and then I'll be able to get in the room with her uh, and see how she's doing. And we should be in the hospital for about two to three days. We are officially back home now. I'm alive. Settling into this uh, new routine that we have. Um, Anything you want to share so far? Um, Well, first of all, ouch. I am surviving, but definitely not thriving. Pain pills are are most definitely my friend right now. Honestly, the hospital stay is kind of a bit of a blur. I guess you said what I was. I was up in my room around six ish the day of surgery, mm-hmm. so kind of all in all, a twelve hour ordeal from check in for surgery to up in my room. Is that right? Yeah, that's about right. So a full day of surgery. Uh, I was a bit surprised that they had me sitting up in a chair out of bed mm-hmm. that first night. Although I guess I shouldn't have been because they said that would happen. I I just didn't imagine it. It's hard to imagine exactly what it would be. I think the worst part of the hospital stay was that definitely that first night, probably for you and for me. Um, no, I... I hated the warmer. So if you are someone that is not a hot body sleeper, prepare yourself. You know the movie Big Hero 6. They That night, that first night, they cover you with this material that um, is kind of like I would imagine B-Max. Is it B-Max? Baymax. Baymax to be made of. So sort of like this inflatable blanket that just blows and traps kind of warm air on you. I was super loopy on narcotics and anesthesia. So it just kind of felt like a lot. That first night, because of the deep placement, it is so important to keep your body warm to encourage circulation to newly transplanted deep flaps. So because of that, the nursing team had orders to come in every hour. I don't know for how long, but it felt like all through the night, um, maybe the first 12 hours to check with the Doppler for blood flow and the pulse. What they do is they take a Doppler and they they hold it over your flap just to listen for circulation to make sure that area is getting good flow. Sleep is not much of a thing that first night, just because you do have to have your medical team coming in all through the night on the hour. I will say though, when I stayed with my childhood best friend following her double mastectomy, they kept the entire room toasty, which can be really hard on your hospital buddy. But um <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, Kelly, but the heat was just on my body for my stay. Is that right? 
yeah, no, it, it was not bad in the in the uh, I almost said hotel. It wasn't Ooh. bad in the hospital room. Um, yeah, but I definitely could tell you were uncomfortable under that. It kind of looked like a deflated swimming pool raft a little bit to me. Yeah, like there. But it, like it, for you, no, the, I, it wasn't. The, oh, it wasn't hot or anything inside the room. Yeah, so I would maybe check in with your surgeon before you have surgery just to prepare and see how your facility does it because I I can tell you it varies. So maybe check in with them and see what your facility does so you can best prepare the person who is your hospital buddy. You also have calf cuffs on the entire time that I forgot about that you're in the hospital. They inflate and deflate kind of automatically on like this routine set schedule. It's to help prevent blood clots in your legs. Um, it really didn't bother me. It kind of felt almost like a little massage, except it was definitely one more thing I was tethered to. I currently have six drains at home. So I have one on each side of my abdomen and two on each side of my chest. And it's a lot. Yep. Yeah, yeah, a lot of things. Uh, a lot of a lot of hoses in the hospital. Less now, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's yeah. definitely a lot of things. It is something to be aware of as you prepare kind of for your mobility at home. I'm so thankful that my sister Sierra was able to come and stay with me some of the second day so that you got to go home and shower and see the kids and take a minute. You even were able to catch a little bit of our son's wrestling meet, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what? Um, I think that was really good for some normalcy for our kids. It definitely helped my mom not to have to be in all the places at the same time. The best gift was that my sister is also a healthcare professional, so she was very comfortable in the hospital. So I didn't feel like I had to take care of her and I could just sleep, which for me, like letting myself just not enjoy fun, (laughs) not have a good time, it was difficult. And it felt comfortable to just be able to kind of doze. Also, she ordered us delicious Thai food, and that is never a bad thing. Then you came back that night. I think that we both, can't you say like we both got much better sleep when you say that second night? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I guess technically that was the third night. Gosh, was it? I don't, I don't know. It kind of all, kind of all runs together. Um, together. Yeah. Sleep was glorious. So when you just know the first day, you're not going to get a lot, but the second day you'll definitely get more. Um, the second and third day I was up walking the halls with physical therapy a lot and got fitted for my walker. I had my dressings checked on by the plastic surgeons team. Um, I got a shower, which I was personally so thankful that we did that shower in the hospital. I will say it's very close and personal with the medical team and you, it's okay if you're not comfortable with that. I definitely was fine with it, but it was, you're, you're right there with them in the shower because you do, you're out of it with all these narcotics and you have all these drains and it's a lot. So they were able to show me though, how to pin my drains onto like a lanyard and to help me with putting soap on my body in a way that kind of showed me what my restrictions were since I had a double mastectomy. Both of my arms have lifting restrictions and I can't lift them over 90 degrees. It definitely, your dog, hold on. She's the worst. Okay. And then I got to go home the following day. So all in all, I guess I had my surgery, which is day zero, my next day, which is day one. 
and I went home on day three, which is nice. I know that it varies by surgeon. It also varies by the complexity of your case and kind of where they had to take the deeps from, what Mm. your kind of level of mobility was beforehand. I was lucky in that they were able to do it all at once. So this one surgery was able to do both. For some people who maybe have to have chemo or radiation, they will do the double mastectomy, but then hold on the reconstruction. So it does definitely vary, but I was grateful to kind of get back. A couple things that helped with going home, and feel free to chime in, Kelly, if you think of any things. But um, one thing that helped for us is to try and make your getaway car from the hospital one that sits lower to the ground because I couldn't lift my arms and I have to stay hunched over. Getting in the car really needed to be as easy as possible. Getting in and out of everything, the shower, the toilet, the car, bed, it's a two-person job at first. So climbing into a truck or a tall SUV would have been really difficult. Also, after you're home from the hospital, kind of tell yourself in the beginning, just getting home is your big exercise for the day. I had my mastectomy pillow for the ride home, which helped me. I held on to it kind of in between me and the seatbelt, and that made me feel more comfortable. I still, I'm just, what, a, a week out, and I feel like I still can't breathe all that deeply. I'm told, like, as I continue to rehab my lungs, it will get better. You're just under anesthesia for so long. They'll give you this, I do not know the technical name for it. Puffomatic 3000. Okay, not really. But it is a, a breathing like plastic thing. I can say that after even just a couple days of doing it, I am already like doing so much better. Be prepared for communication with your doctors and their team a lot. I've been sending pictures of my wounds to the PA team, which can feel really strange and vulnerable to have your partner or a, a family member take pictures of you essentially naked or areas that we tell our children not to text to people. It feels strange, but it helps them to see how your wounds are healing. And then you will be followed up within the week by your surgery and surgical oncologist and plastic surgeon's office have both of those appointments this week. Clearly, I'm not cleared to drive. So for you, you'll need a support person to drive you to each of your appointments and help with transferring in and out of the car with your walker. And I would allow extra time for movement because I am moving slow these days. That's how it should be, though. You need to move yeah, slow. I know, um, which I'm not very good at. Make sure you have a really good system for ma- uh, for managing the pain meds. Yeah, and make sure you're communicating and being honest with each other. And your job is to make it as easy on them as possible. So communicate and be knowledgeable about what's going on. I've now had the first week of follow-ups with both of my medical offices. It was nice to see the team and kind of check in that I'm doing the right things I'm supposed to be doing and that my healing is going well. It's going as expected. So there are good moments and hard moments. I'm still on narcotics for pain management. I'm, I'm trying to wean it because I don't like the way that pain medications make me feel loopy. I have really also been remembering that this is a slow recovery and to try to stay ahead of the pain. So it's kind of 
a juggling act of figuring out the right dose where I don't feel too drugged, but then I also have my pain supported. At my last appointment that I had, was able to have two of my breast drains removed. It didn't hurt terribly to remove them. It was definitely a very weird and uncomfortable sensation. I had no idea how much tubing was in there. When they go to remove it, they cut the sutures that are holding it in place. So it doesn't cut your skin at all. It's just cutting the little strings. And then those slide right out. And then at that point, they'll say, okay, take a deep breath and then blow out. I was thinking with the first one that it would be just like, I guess I didn't take a deep enough breath or I didn't blow out long enough because there was still a lot of tube coming out after I was done blowing out. So I would maybe prepare myself to blow out for a hot minute when they remove it. And then they just will kind of cover it with a dressing. I'll have to put on this solution to help with healing that my surgeon's office recommends. My oncology follow-up, all of my lymph nodes that they removed from both of my arms. So they removed 10 in total. And that plus the breast tissue pathology did come back benign. So that is amazing for me because it means that I do not need to have any additional chemotherapy or radiation. They were able to get clear margins from everything that they removed, which was the goal. So now I just get to focus on healing and then any updates that need to be happening from this surgery will know more as my body continues to heal. One thing that I really wasn't prepared for or anticipated being a complication was the way that my body's lymphatic system responded to having some crucial lymph nodes removed from under my arms. One of the things that was so supportive was the care that I received through Austin Lymphatic, as well as the education that I received around understanding my lymphatic system a little better, understanding how my body metabolizes waste, free fluid, and how it is possible using manual drainage techniques and lymphatic massage to reroute those pathways so that my body that was trying to process fluids through a space that was no longer there because it had been removed could be rerouted to a different area of lymph nodes, such as ones found in my abdomen or in my pelvis. All of these tools you don't know that you need until you need them. I'm including audio recording from Austin Lymphatic because I love the method that they go about explaining the role of the lymphatic system and how it best keep us healthy. And I feel like it might be important information to share for anyone else who faces lymphatic issues after surgery. Hey guys, I'm Jessica with Austin Lymphatic. You know, a lot of our clients come in to see us because their doctors just told them to, and they have no idea what the lymphatic system is. And so we get asked all the time, what is the lymphatic system? Our lymphatic system is perhaps the most underrated aspect of our anatomy. It's the functional structure that houses our immune system. A healthy lymph system is critical for your well-being because it's responsible for filtering out toxins, cell waste, and fighting off bacteria, viruses, and other infections. This process begins with our blood in the cardiovascular system. And what happens is when your heart pumps, blood pressure builds in those small blood capillaries. And as that pressure builds, the blood plasma, which contains proteins, oxygen, cell waste, immunological cells, and toxins are all forced out through the capillary wall. This is how our cells receive oxygen and nutrients. Okay, so this blood plasma is squeezed out of the capillary and into what's called the interstitial space. And this is basically like kind of the empty space in between our cells. It's all over our body. It's like we're a giant 
skin-covered bag of Jello walking around. And I think that we can all agree that Jello with those little pieces of fruit in it is super gross. And what our lymphatic system is responsible for is cleaning up those little fruit particles. Fluid is always going to flow towards the path of least resistance or towards the least amount of pressure. So now that we have less pressure in these capillaries, some of this interstitial fluid is going to get reabsorbed back into the bloodstream to start this whole process over. This creates a flow that pushes and pulls fluids and solids in and out of the blood all over our body. This vital fluid exchange is how nutrients and other critical resources are transferred to our cells. Not all of that fluid is going to get reabsorbed back into the blood circulatory system through those low-pressure blood vessels. In fact, most of that fluid doesn't get reabsorbed. And those bigger pieces of fruit from our jello analogy earlier are definitely not going to get reabsorbed. This fluid instead gets picked up by tiny lymphatic collectors and the fluids now known as lymph fluid, which will remain in your lymphatic system until it's been cleaned by one or more lymph node and then transported back to your heart and bloodstream where the delivery and cleansing cycle is going to begin all over again. As the lymph fluid is being pushed along towards the heart, it will first make its way to a lymph node. Your lymph nodes are these tiny little immunological hubs that hide in the nooks and crannies of your body. So we have them here in our axillary area, down here at our crease, deep in our abdomen, in our wrists, in our elbow joint, anywhere your joints are going to flex, you have lymph nodes hiding. They hang out in these areas for several reasons. These little crevices do a wonderful job of first protecting your nodes from trauma and help push fluid along as you move and walk. This pumps your lymph nodes, allowing for more fluid to be filtered. In addition, remember, these lymph nodes supply your defense against bacteria and other infections. And if you think about it, we're most likely to get a cut or have a trauma on one of our limbs. So we have these huge patches of lymph nodes where our limbs meet our body. And this serves as kind of a vanguard defense so that infected fluid that might get into a cut that we get on our finger can't make it to our vital organs without first passing through a lymph node. And the reason why doctors refer their patients out for manual lymphatic drainage after they've had a plastic surgery is that lymphatic therapy helps to eliminate swelling and making bruising go away quicker to get you out of pain more quickly. By going in and clearing up the swelling and cell debris and waste that was left behind in your body after the surgery, your tissues are able to regenerate quicker so that your scars can essentially heal up quicker and your swelling can resolve. One of the most beneficial preparations I had prior to surgery was having my good friend and neighbor, Lori Thomas, come and walk through my home and help me problem solve any mobility concerns I had. Lori has been a licensed physical therapist for many years and often supports patients hospital side after undergoing a double mastectomy and deep flap reconstruction. I was so fortunate to have her share her wisdom for this podcast, but then tragically had an issue with our sound recording of our conversation. I am devastated for you to miss her voice. While we didn't have time to re-record her portion of the episode, she has granted permission for me to share her information for our listening audience, and I am forever grateful. So from Lori's mouth to your ears, here we go. Once you are on the recovery side of this massive surgery, Lori emphasized that you do not need to worry about your mobility at home. As a physical therapist, it is their job to meet you and your family in the hospital and the days following surgery. Problem solve the hurdles and practice mobility with you and your loved one until there is a safety plan for home. You will not go home if there is not a safety plan. So take that worry off your plate. In the hospital world, surgery day is described as day zero, and then every other day increases numerically. Typically, day zero, when reconstruction is also involved, 
takes the majority of the day. That evening is primarily focused on managing your pain control, supporting your comfort, and ensuring that your surgical sites are cared for. Coming out of surgery, your body will need to be in flexion. Because of the tension of your abdominal scar, you will need to stay significantly bent over for the first one to two weeks until cleared by your surgeon. This is at all times, even when sleeping. There's a good chance that you will also be in a compression bra and possibly have a binder across your abdomen on at all times. Physical therapy typically does not round until day one. On this day, your plan of care will include helping the patient sit up in bed, learn how to transfer to their walker that will go home with them, and practice moving to a chair on the side of the bed. While it may not sound that difficult, for a massive chest and abdominal surgery, this is a lot of work. Give yourself patience with this. For some patients, that is all their bodies can tolerate for the day. For other patients, there's a chance that they might have a physical therapist meet with them later in the day to practice mild walking with the walker. Typically, most walking occurs on day two. Day two, your therapist will be in the room to help you transfer from bed to standing and then work with you to practice walking the hall outside your hospital room. This is a slow process. Because it is imperative that you feel comfortable, your PT will also be able to help brainstorm navigating your home environment. Here are Lori's recommendations for mobility. First, Do not panic if you have to go up and down stairs. In regards to post-surgical recovery, you will be able to navigate stairs if you do not have pre-existing conditions that kept you from doing so beforehand. Stairs just require you to have strong legs. In your hunched over position, or as we say flexion, you will face the railing and take one side step with your strongest leg and then bring the other leg to meet it. You always lead upstairs with your strongest leg and downstairs with your weaker leg. Go as slow as you need to. For sleeping, surgeons are individual in the specifics of their care, but all of them require the patient to sleep on their back for a minimum of four to eight weeks. Because your body needs to stay in that flexed state, it means that you will not be able to lay flat on your back. Wedges, pillows, they can all help with comfort. Ideally, a recliner can be the very best place to sleep for that first month as it keeps your body in the correct position. Medical supply vendors can rent out special recliners that can lift all the way to standing with the touch of a button. With that said, a regular recliner can be just as supportive. Patients will have limits on how far they can move their arms based on their specifics of their surgery. Typically, for a double mastectomy, It is no pushing or pulling or lifting your arms above 90 degrees, which is essentially your waist. Other surgeons prefer arms to stay at your sides. You can see how this greatly affects your mobility. In the beginning, all of your transferring to the bed or the recliner in and out of the car will require a support person there. Once your abdominal wounds begin to heal, getting in the bed can become more independent and that you can use your legs to help position you in bed. When you need to transfer out of bed, you can log roll onto your stronger side and use your legs to help position you for getting out of bed. Always try to sleep on the side of the bed that has your stronger side facing outward. In the hospital, you will also be visited by an occupational therapist. Their job is to help you navigate doing basic everyday life tasks like dressing, bathing, eating. One of the best things to wear are clothes that open to the front. For sleeping, Silk pajamas that button open can be very helpful with moving as the pajama material can actually help you slide into position in bed. 
for drinking, straws can help you tremendously with your independence. You won't be able to lift heavy water bottles or Stanleys, but think smaller cups of water with straws. If your loved one can place items for you at waist level around your home, it can help with your independence greatly. For showering, a shower still will be imperative the first couple weeks. Additionally, if you have a detachable shower head that can be installed will be very helpful too. Most patients can use anti-slip pads in their shower or even water shoes that you buy at Walmart with the grippy bottoms. If after your arm restrictions are lifted and you find that your range of mobility is altered, your physician might write for outpatient physical therapy to help you regain some of your movement capabilities. While this healing process is long, remember you are doing the important work of taking care of your body. So while you can't prepare for exactly what your recovery is going to look like, looking back, there are some things that really did help me in my recovery and feeling better prepared. So I'll share the tools that worked for me, knowing that they may not work for you and you might have better ones. And hopefully you can find a platform that you can share those on because I feel like information is so powerful for everybody. If you are worried about the expense of having to find and purchase all these new things for yourself for surgery, I would say for sure, reach out to your community. A lot of churches have inventory that they let people borrow from. There is the Nextdoor app that you can check with people that actually live in your community. You can check on Facebook Marketplace. There are a lot of breast cancer awareness groups and Facebook groups specifically for deep flap and reconstruction. And there might be somebody in your community that had the same surgery and has stuff to share or pass along. If you're in the Austin area, the Breast Cancer Resource Center, the BCRC is a huge support for helping find things that you might need for your recovery. But don't let your financial limitations be the reason that you don't feel supported. So in terms of showering, what really helped me most was having a shower head with an attachment. I did purchase this on Amazon beforehand so that we could take my shower head and just move it to a lower one. When I first got home, we had a shower stool that we had put together. I'd borrowed it actually from a family member. I really did feel supported by having a around my neck garment bag that you can wear for the shower specifically that I could put my drains in. So it was a plastic bag and then I had a pocket that I could just put them in and you just wear it around your neck like a lanyard, but it gives a space for your drains to be so you don't have to worry about them falling or sitting on them or tugging at them. They're just kind of being held at your chest. I kept another stool on the outside of the shower door. So as I got more autonomous with my ability to take care of myself in the shower, I was able to keep a towel right there so that I could just reach and grab it at waist level. So I didn't have to reach up, which I couldn't and bend down, which is dangerous because the ground is wet. I will say it felt nice for me in my showers to have a minute to just kind of sit there to myself with the water on me. If you have a family member that's helping you, it's okay to say to them, Hey, can I just have a minute? I won't move. I'm just going to sit here. I just kind of want to feel like a normal human for a second, have a little bit of privacy for a minute. I would look for little windows of independence and normalcy where I could infuse them. Just reminding my person, I'm so grateful for their help. It's not them. I just want like a second to myself. 
And then going to the bathroom, something that we did that was really helpful was we actually purchased a bidet attachment. And this is just a toilet seat replacement. It's not fancy. It doesn't have all the heated water and the buttons for warming the seat. This is just one that connects to your water line with the with the toilet and can give you the feature to spray at your bum because with a double mastectomy, your range of motion and ability to rotate to wipe your rear end is very difficult. Our solution was to either have a significant other wipe my rear end, which it happens, it's it's part of life, or to have a bidet system installed so that it could help with that process. And having had multiple breast surgeries before, I've done both. And I will tell you, <laughs> the bidet was much more appreciated probably by everybody, but um, it definitely made me feel more independent in my daily living having a little cart or something that you can have to have all your wound care stuff. So I have all my silver dressing and my bandages, my abdominal cloth, and all of the things that I need to have on hand for any dressing changes I have in one place. While I'm not always the one doing it, it's very helpful for the person that's helping you with taking care of yourself. It helped a lot for me to have lots of jackets and like little zip jackets because it was January when I had my surgery, but all through the spring, things with pockets that I could put the drains in. I don't think I had all my drains gone until close to the one month mark, maybe three week mark. Something that was really helpful was that I had items with pockets that were specifically designed or kind of modified to hold drains so I could feel a little bit more supported. Definitely any kind of clothing that buttons down the front If you're wearing a compression bra, there are specific ones that might be recommended by your surgeon and all of them that I've had are front opening. And that is because you're just, your range of motion is so limited at the time. Wherever I sat, having a little table with water or a fan if I needed it, something I forgot was that pain medication, especially narcotics, gives me heat flashes. And so I found myself getting itchy and overheated. So having like a scratcher or having Vaseline that I could put on my lips or something to help with feeling hot, like a little handheld fan was so helpful for just helping me stay cool. If you have the ability to get a recliner or rent a recliner specifically from a medical supply company, In Austin, there are several of these, but it was a company that I reached out to that loaned me a medical grade recliner for a month. And by doing this, I was able to just pay the rate for that one month of rental. They delivered it. They took, came and took it away when it was time. But that was so crucial in my ability to feel comfortable with sitting and sleeping And this recliner was nice in that it had a button that literally lifted me all the way up into a standing position so that I didn't have to use those ab core muscles to to get myself up when I was first out of surgery. Also, a lot of little pillows. So the smaller kind of beanbag pillows are great for just stuffing in places where maybe there's a gap in the chair or you're feeling like you need to be shifted, but you really can't be on your side but you can put that kind of up against your side. So it feels that pressure a little bit. That was really helpful for feeling comfortable. I'm so grateful for dry shampoo. 
Also, if you have someone in your family that can braid your hair or like once a week, maybe come in and like blow dry. That was so helpful to be able to have someone help me with that because obviously I wasn't able to lift my arms above my head. Other things that were super helpful, the meal train was, oh my goodness, I can't imagine how we would have done that without the meal train. But also not just the meal train, like people offering to, you know, bring breakfast items. So it's not just dinner, but also like snack foods. I had one mom that just delivered snack foods. And that was so helpful for my kids to be able to have stuff to snack on because I don't know if your children are like mine. They are professional snackers. And that was a huge help to just have that available for them just at different times to access. People helping drive our kids around to their sports and activities was really helpful, especially in the beginning when I couldn't really be alone. I will say noise canceling headphones were nice because you're really never alone. So being able to put on headphones and close my eyes, they're a sleep mask that blocks out the light was really helpful because you can't reach over and turn off the light if the light's on. So that way you're able to just get comfortable in a way that works with your mobility. I think that's it. There are just so many tools out there and I'm I'm constantly hearing of new ones that just would have been so helpful knowing that you are not the only one that's gone through this while your story is individual There are so many other people that have had the surgery or walked in your shoes. And so lean on them. Let them help share what worked for them. I'm here with my daughter, Lucy May. Since the last time we visited, Lucy is now 12. 12. Yep, you're bigger now. I thought that I would use this time to follow up from our conversation before. So thinking about my recovery... Was there anything that still surprised you after we had prepared for it? Like anything that actually surprised you when we were there? Um, the fact that you were like kind of glued to that chair. And then every once in a while, Nani would like get you out and you'd like go on a little walk. Yeah, that was still surprising for you? Yeah, it was funny. You looked like the grandma from Spongebob. Man, I've been called... I have been called Mama Coco and now the grandma from SpongeBob and from Euphoria. Awesome. So we did have one little snafu with the drains, kind of left a lasting impression. Do you want to share about that? Um, the thing they used to clean the like cup that they pour the drains into, dad emptied the drains to measure it to see how much like fluid was in there. And he left it in the cup, and then I came in there to say hello, and it spilled. And then, like, now there's a smell I have associated with it, mm-hmm. and now I can't, like, whenever I smell that smell, it's like, like a trigger. <laughs> Explain, like, when you smelled that smell, when I bought that organic orange. Oh, I, like, couldn't wash the table, I, like, would gag. Because of this organic orange spray. So, like... Even with the best preparation, it's still going to maybe not go the way that you completely think it should. If you have the fluid of your body that's left sitting in a cup and it happens to spill over, just know that you have a friend in Lucy May. She understands that trauma. Um, It was pretty gag worthy, though. Yeah, I was kind of out of it, but yeah. What would you say to kids that have a mom going through this procedure at this time, kind of on this side of it? Um, the hard, the hard part is kind of just beginning, but really all you got to do is just 
let them recover and be there as like somebody they can like count on, I guess. Who's the most helpful person of our family? I'd say me, honestly. I know. Honestly, <laughs> I bet you would. Yeah. Are you still allowed to like get frustrated and upset and <laughs> definitely. Yeah, especially you. How many times a day do you feel like you maybe cry? Um, like five at least. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be a feeler. <laughs> Whoever's like taking care of you in that moment, just make it as easy as possible so that they don't have to worry about having to like redo things and stuff. And would you say it's like a quick recovery or it's like a long one? It's a long one. So you just got to like hunker down and be nice. When you go for your phase two or phase three or tattooing nipples or whatever, just every day's a little bit closer to healing, right? Yeah. Yeah. New year, new nipples. Yay. Yay. If I can take anything away from this experience is that healing is not linear. Some days I felt like I could move mountains with the growth that I've had. Other days, I just felt terrible or sad or tired and needed to take an extra space to rest. Sometimes the best gift that we can give to the people we love is by taking care of ourselves so that we can be the best version of ourselves for others. So wherever you are in your healing journey, I wish you well. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. Please subscribe and continue to check back as our content is ever evolving. For questions or specific content-related requests, please send an email to podcast at wondersandworries.org. 